Welcome to the Executive Minds Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, David Harmer. Hey, everybody. want to thank you for joining us and being part of this week's Executive Minds Podcast. Uh, love having you. I am here today. This is David Farmer, by the way, and I am here with a couple of the other uh, co-hosts, Jeff Henderson. Hello, Jeff. Hey, David. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. And I'm actually seeing Jeff because we're doing this via Zoom. And also got Shane Benson in the house. Welcome, Shane. Hey, glad to be here, guys. Great to see each of you. Yeah, we are always uh, trying to figure out how do we keep this thing going in the midst of the pandemic. We have not actually physically been together in a while, but we've done a lot of connecting uh, online virtually through Zoom, and that's kind of what we're doing today. And as we thought about what we wanted to share with you today, we chose a topic that I think can have application. It's, at first, you may think, well, maybe this doesn't apply to me, but I want to challenge that. Here's the topic for today. How do you approach your first time as a leader? And you may be thinking, ah, I've been a leader for a long time, but maybe you're taking on a new leadership responsibility. We all do that on a regular basis. So whether it is a new leadership responsibility or maybe this really is your first time to be a leader of a team, of a project, of a group, of an organization, that's the topic that we want to tackle today. And I've got some really good guys here. I'm going to play the role of host, but i got some really good guys who can share some thoughts with us because they've had to do this multiple times. In Jeff's case, he's gone from one organization to another a couple of times in his career. He has started up churches several times in his career. Shane has moved within the context of Chick-fil-A a number of times to lead different groups. He also has had to start major projects up, pull a team together, and step into a new leadership role. I've had to do the same. So we we just want to just have a good conversation, what we've learned in the process. And I'm, I may kick it off, Shane, by going to you first. When I just say first time as a leader— What's the first thing that comes to mind that you would share with somebody that came to you seeking counsel? Well, it's interesting. You use the word first. I think there's a lot of firsts in this season when you're, you know, stepping into a leadership role for the first time. And when I say first time, I think you alluded to this. You know, it may be the first time that somebody's handed you a major project or initiative. Um, It may be the first time that you're leading people. But within that context, there are a lot of first things that you'll have to experience for the first time. Um, And and again, I don't want to overuse the word, but let me give you an example. I think it may be one of the first times that you need to get a group together and hear where they are before you do anything. Like just to find out how they're doing as a team or where this project has been up to this point when you've taken on leadership. So you may need to cycle through, how do I get people together and actually have this initial conversation with them? So that may be the first time you've ever had to do that. So I think the thing that comes to mind for me, David, is there may be a lot of firsts in this journey that you're about to go on for sure. Yeah, awesome. Jeff, same, uh, same question for you. First time as a leader, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? Well, I think we all have experience that we can obviously draw from, but I would say learn from your experience, but don't lean on your experience. And what I mean by that is when I left Buckhead Church to help start Gwinnett Church, 
some of the feedback I heard was, oh, you've done this before. It won't be that big of a deal. And I didn't want that to be the case because if I, if I did that, then I'm not going to be able to create more innovation or new ideas because I just basically end up repeating what I just did. And while there are certain yeah. principles and there are certain strategies that are true of anything, at the same time, I wanted to come with uh, open hands, open heart, open mind and go, you know what? I'm not going to lean on my experience. I'm going to learn from it. But I want this to be a new approach. And because of that, we did things at Gwinnett that we didn't do at Buckhead because I didn't want to hit repeat. So to your point, David, you know, we may have a listener that's in their 50s or 60s, and it's not certainly not their first time as a leader, but the new opportunity might be first time as a leader in this opportunity. So definitely learn from your experience, but don't lean on it, because if you do, then you just end up repeating previous years. And while some of that's good, it certainly robs you of innovation. Yeah. I, I, I want to jump in as well. I, I will tell you the first thing that comes to my mind is I think leadership is more about modeling than it is telling or giving direction or even, and sometimes this is necessary, but even commands. You know, we think of that mostly in the context of military, but you got to model. So if that's the case, the first thought that comes to my mind is, so where are you on self-leadership? And uh, we were taught a model years ago, 360 uh, leadership model, that you can lead down. That's what we often think of. But you also have the ability to lead in, with peers using influence and even using that same influence to lead up. But it begins if you're leading yourself. So if you're going to lead the team, have you done enough self-leadership work to prepare yourself to get out in front and, and serve that group? All right. That, that's sort of the first thought. Let's start breaking this down a little bit. I may ask you guys to think about a time in your life. Jeff, you already referenced the transition from Buckhead Church to Gwinnett Church. But when was there a time that you had to either step into a new, a new leadership role, or maybe it really was the first time you led people or something? What were some of the emotions and thoughts and even concerns and worries that were running through your mind at the time? For me, I remember when I was... When I left Chick-fil-A to go to Buckhead Church, about I went as the small groups director, which basically that just means we wanted to get you know people from a rather large church into small groups on a weekly basis. I was there for about four months when I was approached and said, hey, we want you to be the lead pastor and just lead the whole thing. And my initial thought was, I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know if I know how to do this job. And it was as you know, the organization kind of threw me in the deep end of the pool and said, see you later. Let us know if you need anything. And so much of what I learned in those years really ultimately helped, did help me in the Gwinnett Church days. But I think that adrenaline, I think that insecurity, I think that being thrown into the deep end of the pool is actually great. And I would welcome that. That's not a sign that you've done something wrong or anything. It, it, it shows that you are understanding how big of an opportunity this is. And if, if a leader is given an opportunity and they're going, oh, I've done this before, I don't think they're going to lead as effectively because they're not, they're not seeing the people that they're leading as valuable. Because it's really, to your earlier point, David, it's really more about the people in many ways than the projects. So that whatever that insecurity, that adrenaline, that, oh, no, can I do this? That's actually a good thing. That's actually a good sign and when I tell people when it comes to presentations, if you're feeling an uneasiness, that's a good thing because it's showing that you're actually taking this role with, with some seriousness. And so that's a good thing if you're feeling, you know, overwhelmed or insecure. Yep. Totally agree with that. Shane, how about you? 
think back to one of your experiences. What were you feeling? I, I, you know, it's fascinating. And just to build on something that Jeff was saying there, I, I think, you know, as I look back to a couple different seasons where I was jumping into work where I literally felt like I have no idea what I'm doing. I think recognizing that those around you that you're about to lead are thinking the same exact thing. He doesn't have any idea what he's doing. Like he's never done it before. So recognizing that and I think being humble enough to realize that, you know what, the folks that I'm about to lead may be thinking the same thing. But it what comes to mind is this phrase that has kind of stuck with me over the years is getting comfortable with the uncomfortable yeah. and realizing that's okay. I mean, it's actually... To Jeff's point, I mean, I think leaning into that that feeling of uncomfortability and getting comfortable with that and acknowledging that with other people. Like, hey, I really don't know. I've never done this work before. I want I'm learning with you. I just want to get comfortable being uncomfortable for a season and acknowledging that that's going to take some time. It will open you up to listening more and speaking less. And I think that's really helpful for any leader that's taking on new work or a new team is to really open your ears and close your mouth for a little season and be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Love it. And what I may add to this, I I think sometimes we we go into it and feel like I've got to be perfect. And I think that's a huge fallacy. In fact, I don't think people follow folks because they're perfect and you don't breed trust when you convey this image that you got it all figured out and you're perfect. I think instead, if you really are honest, if you're transparent, that may be what ultimately gives you credibility, makes people want to follow, enables people to trust you more. So some of this anxiety that you guys talked about, even the the conflict and emotions, maybe you're both excited and anxious all at the same time. I say, put it out there and just be real and I think most people will resonate with that and, and will want to kind of jump on board and, and help you and the team or the project succeed. Well, David, you know, there is there is power in that vulnerability, too. And I think when people see that, go back to something you said earlier, when the leader's vulnerable enough to say, hey, I don't necessarily know what I'm doing, and that that's refreshing because other people on the team may be feeling the same exact way. Um, I heard this really interesting uh, definition of vulnerability the other day from Dr. Laura uh, on talk radio. And I thought, <laughs> this is so good. And she said, vulnerability is the opportunity for you to share something with someone that if they used it in the wrong way, it could hurt you. Mm. So think about that. You're going to share something with your team that ultimately they could maybe even use against you. That is what true vulnerability is. So you got to be careful when you do that and how often you do that. But that is what truly creates trust. When we share something with somebody where they could use it against us, yeah. that actually, that's true vulnerability. And you got to be careful how you share it. But I think as leaders, I think it's really important to do that because people desire and they want that. And when a leader does that, it creates more vulnerability on the team as well. Yeah, well said. Well, I, I tell you what I'd love for us to do. I'd love for us to just sort of build out a checklist that someone could use as they're beginning to wrap their head around a, a new challenge or opportunity they have. So if you think about elements of leadership 
that a new leader needs to give consideration to. We'll build that out. And we just may kind of go around, Robin, as you as you have something you want to share. I just invite you to do that. Like I'll, I'll get it kicked off and then we'll just we'll just go to you guys. I think one of the things a, a new leader needs to do is they need to have a vision for where they want to take the individual, the team, the project. They may not know it right out of the gate, and they may actually want to invite uh, some of the people they're leading to participate in the crafting of the vision, but I do think they're ultimately responsible for putting that out there for the team. So I'd put vision on the list as something they're going to need to work on. Leaders help folks understand why we're going from where we are today to this point out into the future. They need to help them understand why staying where we are today was great for a season, but it's not going to work as well going into the future. That's just the way life works. And uh, they've got to they got to help people understand what's so compelling about that place out there in the future because it'll be work, it'll be hard, it'll 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 challenge us to get there. So I'll throw a vision on the list. Jeff, what do you want to add? I would start also in addition to that. I would ask people, how are you doing? As much as what are you doing? Because their expectation is you're going to come in and go, okay, what are you doing? Are you doing a good job? And all of that, which is important. But when you ask, how are you doing? Just as much, if not more than. What are you doing? I think you're showing your heart for the team and that you're really interested in them and you're building the culture. And don't forget, as Peter Drucker says, culture eats strategy for breakfast. So as leaders, we can easily jump into the strategy sessions, which we need to. But if you're coming into a new situation, especially with new people, new team members that you've not worked with before, I think you need to ask them, how are you doing? And getting to know them as a person versus a coworker uh, is really important and starts to signal the kind of leadership you want them to and the mm. culture that you want to create for them. That's awesome. Jeff, I- I'd love to add to that. I heard something recently. Uh, unfortunately, we actually had a, a longtime consultant with Chick-fil-A recently pass away. And one of the questions that he always started with was, how are you, how are you doing? But he added this little nuance, and I think it was powerful. He said, how are you doing, really? And I, I, think, I think you, you know, as leaders, I think we do need to ask that question very quickly at the beginning. How are you doing? And then adding this little piece of really, it just gets a little deeper. It's like all of a sudden they go from here's how I'm doing at work to how are you doing really almost starts to unpack some personal things at times. And I do think we have a responsibility as leaders to help people across all facets of their life. And that's tricky, but I think it's important. And it's really important what you do with that information. Mm-hmm. If somebody says, I'm not doing well and you know, et cetera, et cetera, this is going on in our personal life. And I know there's a fine line between work and personal and all that. But if you get some information that they actually say, here's how I'm really doing and you don't act or you don't, the next time you meet, you don't ask about that, then at that point, it's not really sincere and authentic. That's great. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to throw another one on the list and I'm just going to keep coming around. Uh, I'm going to put good questions on the list. And what I mean by that is I think it's a fallacy. If you think you're the leader and you're going to show up with all the answers, uh, it's probably better to have good questions and to invite the folks that are on your team and probably some that are not part of the team but have just a unique vantage point to speak in and provide input so that ultimately the team can process all of that to kind of chart a course. So 
I'll throw good questions on the list. And I think one of those questions would be, what would you do if you were with me? What would you do if you were in my situation? And doesn't mean that you have to necessarily agree or do it. But yeah, again, I, I really love what Cheryl Botchelder did when she became CEO of Popeye's Kitchen. She just went on a listening tour and in essence kind of said that. What would you do if you were the CEO? And just listened. And that's what ask good questions and listen. Because as leaders, I think we want to talk and, you know, that's what we're supposed to do. But I think in those early days, asking questions and listening is is your best play. Well, I'm going to build on something both of you actually have shared. I mean, David, you talked about casting vision. Jeff, you talked about engaging people on what would you do. And I may just add to that. I think that can it can really help if you do that in the construct of your first 90 days. Like, have you thought through um, how long are you going to listen? What does that look like? How are you going to engage people? Because those things are so important. And David, you alluded to it. I mean, a, a vision's role or a leader's role, excuse me, is to help people move from here to there. Mm-hmm. But to get to there, I have to make sure people understand why not here. And you can do that if you spend some time listening to people say, okay, what's your vision? Okay, why do you feel like we're where we currently are? And what would you do if you were me to move people to a new direction? Um, And I think those insights through listening can really happen in a significant way in those first 90 days. And I'm not necessarily tied to the 90. It could be 30, could be 60, what have you. But I think having a plan, almost a listening plan, is really good when you're taking on new work or absorbing work or taking on a new team. That first 90 days can be critical to your leadership. Well, I love that, Shane. I actually think I'm, to, to kind of play off of that a little bit, that you could go so far as to say you could kind of script those first 90 days. And it may be that what happens after that, you have no idea. It's going to be based on what you learn, um, the kind of counsel that you get along the way. But you probably could script the first 90 days, and maybe you're in a situation where the nature of your leadership assignment is shorter term. So just just you know, make that a shorter time period. But for a initial period of time, I would say script it out. Don't try to make any big decisions yet. You, you've got to do some of these fundamental things we've talked about to build that culture on the team Jeff talked about, gather input, show respect, craft vision, and then you can um, move to the next phase of your leadership. So, all right, let's keep going. Well, I'll have a um, a best practice that was shared with me probably a decade ago, but I've used it quite a bit anytime. So if you're a leader and you are getting, say, a new team, let's say they're directly reporting to you or you, you've just got ownership in that, this leader shared with me the three eyes that he initially you'd start with and just say, these are things that... I want to, on a regular basis, talk about. And the three eyes are this. What is it I need to be informed of? Like, what are the things that you would say as your leader or leading this work that I need to be informed about? And what's the cadence for that? So what do I need to be informed of? The second one is, where do I need to be involved? What aspects of your work or your world require my involvement And what does the cadence of that look like? And how often do we want to talk about those things? And then the third eye is where do I need to influence? Like, what is it that you're working on that I could help influence within the organization or with other folks 
across maybe a department, but how can I help influence? And so those three eyes have been helpful for me. What do I need to be informed of? Where do I need to be involved? And how do I need to influence? And asking people those questions uh, and getting a cadence built around that can be pretty helpful for you as a leader. Yeah, I've never heard that before. So that love it. That's great stuff. Jeff? I think another thing on the team is to ask them what are their, you know, this is a little bit like how are you doing really, but what, what are your hopes and dreams? And how can I, in my role, help you get there? Because sometimes you know, as leaders, it's like, all right, here's the team and they're going to help me get to where I need to get, right? They're going to help me get to where this team or company or organization needs to get. And that's not bad. But if you can flip that to go, no, I'm actually here for you. And you, you alluded to this a little bit earlier, David, but, but I think it's helpful to go, what are your, what are your dreams? And if there's any way within my network of people or whatever, and to say this, I, really want, if this is true, I really want you to stay in this organization and on this team, but I'm more interested in you as a person. And so if there are other opportunities within the team, awesome. If there are other opportunities, if you have dreams to leave, it's like a Chick-fil-A, if a Chick-fil-A staff person has dreams to be an operator, then I think, you know, both of you would go, all right, what do we need to do in this role to ultimately transition you to become an operator someday? That um, I think shows that you're more interested in them as a person than as a team member. And when people are genuinely cared for, they work harder. Jeff, it's so f- we we had the pleasure of and a shout out to Sarah Stork who works for Chick Fil A. Previously to that, worked for Profit, and she did that exact exercise. It was really fascinating. So I think there's a, a power in doing that personally, but then as a team. Now, what she added to that is she had us go through an exercise where we did, what are your hopes, your dreams, and your fears? Um, As we kick off this work, what are you hopeful for? What are you dreaming about? And what are your fears? But think about that, the power of that, and what you shared was, what's that look like for you individually? What are you hoping for? What are you dreaming about? What are your fear? What are you fearful for? And that actually can give you some insights on how to coach people, how to help navigate change with a team. But I, I really like that exercise. You gave a shout out. I want to give a shout out to Natalie Cheney because she sent me a text the other day that said, spoke with David Farmer today and told him how much I have enjoyed the Executive Minds podcast. So she said, it feels like home with you, David and Shane. So I don't know if I should have said that, Natalie, but thanks. And mm-hmm. she is killing it up there in Virginia as an operator. Yep. She gave me some uh, really helpful input on Chick-fil-A waffle fries, too. So thanks, Natalie. Um, (laughs) And when you talk about dreams, I think it's Matthew Kelly who's written a lot about that. We've had the privilege of having him speak. And in his book, Dream Maker, Shane, do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Great book. Great book. And he talks about that. So I I love it. And I'll say this. If you're listening some of these things you may have to scale based upon the magnitude of this leadership responsibility you're taking on. If it's a long-term structural thing, I think all this is in play. If it's a short-term assignment, you may have to scale this down a little bit because you don't have the advantage of a long period of time, but I think it's all good stuff nonetheless. So let's keep going. I'll throw something onto the list. I think one of the things you will need to bring to the team as a leader is a good balance between Uh, support and challenge. Uh, We talk about that a good bit, Shane and I do, in our work at Chick-fil-A. You want to make sure you're supporting folks, you're encouraging them, you're kind of feeding their souls so that they're battle-ready. But then there are also times where you want to challenge them 
in pursuit of a new goal or a really difficult objective that we're trying to achieve or to grow in some area. But striking the balance is important, and it may not be the same recipe for everybody that's part of the effort. You may have to tailor that to individuals. Some are going to need more support. Some are going to need more challenge. You'll have to use your emotional intelligence to figure out which is appropriate. So, Well, David, just to build on that, I'm going to go back again. I think it's so helpful if you start by listening, you can kind of get a sense of where people are challenged and where they aren't challenged, and then how do you set the appropriate challenge and support moving forward. So I just don't want to lose that. I think it's really important um, initially to get input from the team. Therefore, you can – because I don't know if – I know I've made this mistake. Too quickly, I set a challenge that – to some degree, was not filtered with good listening. And therefore, there was just not as much buy-in. And I think that's really important. And so most recently, we kind of had, we set a date for when we were going to launch some organizational structure changes. And that date was set because of all the initial conversations that we had. And the feedback I got was, hey, why aren't we going faster? Why aren't we getting this thing across the finish line? Well, what triggered for me as a leader was we need a deadline. We need a deadline. I wouldn't have gotten there as quickly, or I might have set a deadline further than I needed to if I hadn't have spent some time on the front end listening. So I do think you're right. This appropriate challenge is birthed out of your conversations initially with your team and with project owners. And then to your point, set the challenge, set the goal, and motivate people to get there and support them appropriately to do so. Good stuff. I I love that. I mean, I feel like there's so much here. If we just stopped here and everybody did that, they're going to be good. Um, But I I, I wouldn't have a a vision of looking back because we're all going to leave whatever role that you're in, there is an end date. And looking at the end date and going back, and one of my first business mentors said, hey, here's what I want you to do. When you leave, because there is going to come a day, leave things better than what you, when you found them. And leave people better than when you found them. Leave us better than when you found them. And that's called leaving a positive wake as you move on. So how do you want to leave things better than when you, when you currently found them? Because there's probably some good things, probably some challenging things. I mean, you could do a SWOT analysis, you know, strengths, weakness, opportunities, and threats. But ultimately, where are you and your strengths going to be able to leave things better once you walk away from this role? That's great. And I'm throwing SWOT analysis on the list, too. That's a good reminder. I'll wrap us up. I'll leave with, I'll leave with this one other thing. I think a leader needs a communication plan. How are you going to keep the team really well informed? And even how do you have two-way dialogue with the team? Uh, each of us... Um, have been leaders of our teams for a while, but even during the season of COVID, we've had to rethink our communication plans because we don't have the benefit of nearly the as much face-to-face contact as we had previously. We had to use new tools, had to create new rhythms. But regardless of your circumstance, thinking about how do I communicate, in what setting, how many people at a time, what's the rhythm associated with that? Communication is really, really important to your project, to the health of the team. So, Shane, go ahead. Well, I was just going to build on that, David, especially in light of where we're at. Leaders need to be seen, and you need to be visible. And that that meant so much 
that was so different six months ago because I could I could be seen grabbing a cup of coffee or a Coke. I could be seen, you know, walking down the hallway, checking into somebody's cubicle. Now, communication is a lot different. We And as leaders, I think we have to be much more intentional about that. And so one of the things that I think you thinking about is what do daily touch-ins look like? What do huddles look like? Um, what do tactical meetings look like? How much join-up are you doing through virtual technology? Because those things were happening naturally, and now they're a little more unnatural, and so we've got to make them natural. And so, it's it's uh, again, I think we find ourselves in a different time, in a different season, and we're going to have to learn and adjust as leaders. Shane, I would tell you I am totally missing the serendipitous meetups that happen in the break room or passing somebody in the hall. And I found that my world's gotten a little bit smaller, and I'm kind of in the same meetings with the same people. Uh, a lot of time with my leadership team, but I don't get to see everybody else. So I'm actually in the midst of uh, a campaign. I'm having 15-minute you know, Zoom connections with everybody that's part of my group. And most of that time is just – it's back to what you guys said. How are you doing personally? It's not really talking about projects, but because we don't get to connect, I'm trying to substitute an online version of what would organically happen if we were, you know, sharing space together. So I I, I buy that 100%. I think it's really smart. Well, hey, I appreciate what you guys share. I would definitely raise my hand and sign up to be on any team you guys are leading. So I want to challenge if you're a listener and you are in the midst of leading or you've got a leadership opportunity you're pursuing, this is a pretty good checklist. Vision. How do you build culture? Ask how you're doing, really. Ask good questions to invite input. Think about scripting the first 90 days or the first segment of your leadership assignment. Think about Shane's three eyes: informed, involved, influence. Ask, what are your hopes and dreams and fears? Think about support and challenge. Look at the end of your leadership assignment. Ask yourself, how am I going to leave a positive weight? Maybe you need a SWOT analysis. You need a communication plan, and you want to be seen. You want to be visible. Don't go hiding. Pretty good list. We'll post it to show notes. It may not be everything, but that, my friend, will take you a long way if you're leading. And as we wrap up, I just want to say we would love to have you come check out wearementor.co. That's W-E-R-A-R-E, mentor, M-N-T-R.co, and learn a little bit more about some of the resources that we're trying to provide, all in an attempt to help you grow, to help you show up and be your best in whatever your calling may be. But we're honored that you spent time with us today. Ask you to invite somebody else to come be part of the mentor listening group as well. So that's a wrap for this issue of Executive Minds. Thanks for listening to the Executive Minds podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. For more show notes and helpful resources, visit executiveminds.co. That's executiveminds.co.